Yes team, how are we? Welcome back to another episode of the High Performance Coach Podcast. Today, uh, we have the absolute pleasure and privilege of welcoming a very special human in my life. Uh, he has been my best friend for uh, the last 10 or so years. Uh, was the best man at my wedding last year, which was almost a year to the day. Actually, this time last year, um, I was dressed in a Mr. Motivator outfit in the middle of the uh, Mediterranean somewhere. And today we're going to be recording a podcast because I think uh, Ryan is going to bring so much gold, so much value and has now shifted and evolved himself monumentally into the financial world and now is uh, really supporting so many of our coaches just with regards to their own wealth management. And we wanted to be able to bring you as much value as possible. So Ryan, aka Quinny. How are you, mate? Welcome to the High Performance Coach Podcast. Thank you very much for letting me come along. Dude, I'm going to start with, I'd normally make it about you, but actually I'm going to make this about me initially. And I want to go back to uh, that time that we lived together um, a few years ago and you came home from uh, a football camp and uh, I was sat on the floor in the living room with a, with a nutrition book and you were like, what the fuck are you doing? What's going on here? Yeah, I think... I think that was probably the time, and again we tell this story a couple of times to people now, but I think that was probably the time I felt you were different. There was something different about you, and I wanted to make sure I was always going to hang about with you, type thing. Because, uh, like you said, I was at a, a, it was summer, so university was off. Um, I was working for the SFA at the time, doing football coaching um, locally, so it was about three, four o'clock in the afternoon, I'd came back, and you were sitting on the living room floor with your legs crossed and a nutrition book writing out formulas on a bit of paper. And I was just like, what, what are you doing, mate? It's summer, like, go out and enjoy yourself. And he's like, no, I need to just do these last couple of formulas or whatever you, whatever you were doing. But it was great to see. And it was one of those ones where, like I said, I kind of knew that you were different and you were going to go places type thing, which was... I we can laugh about it now, but at the time I thought you were an absolute weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> I still am an absolute weirdo. And what yeah. one big one big thing that I reminisce on quite a lot was I still remember the the day whereby um, we sat and we were having a conversation. I think we'd just actually been for I think we're actually hung over and we'd been for a walk to go and grab some food and we came back and then you're like, mate, this fitness thing. He's like, you need to make it a thing. He's like, there's this there's so much here. It's like there's there's something that you need to build. Um, and right now, like there's so many people that are asking you so many questions. Questions, you're creating content on social media uh, and right now you're like I just know that this needs to be yeah. like something so much bigger and you've got the potential and the opportunity and that was like really the catalyst and I think so often you talk about like the evolution of like somebody's journey and nobody is a self-made man or person and it's about realizing that so often we just stand on the shoulders of giants and it's actually the people around you that have so much confidence belief and backing and trust in you um, and just support you regardless of whether you understood it or not at that time and I think that's so incredibly important and make you such be you've been such an integral part of like my progress my development and such a huge kind of like driving force behind my growth so uh, it's absolutely incredible to have the opportunity to obviously sit here and uh, now have this conversation more about you and where you are and uh, your evolution which has been absolutely huge so let's get into that and let's understand Ryan in a little bit more depth and detail what is it we need to know and understand about Quinny in order for us to be able to appreciate now why you do what you do in the wealth management side yeah so I think like you say now that moving into the kind of wealth management side I think going back to you know the start when you're younger school age type thing I think I could always see it coming to this point and I think you know, a couple of years ago, I kind of had a, you know, a, a reflection on why have I got to this point? And, you know, Joe's doing the fitness and, you know, some of the other guys are doing something totally different. What is it that, why did I enjoy this? And I think it's funny because I think it comes back or it started with the school age type stuff. When I was at school, I found reflecting on that, I didn't have a lot of control in my life. Again, grew up, still have ADHD. So school was, was a struggle for me, putting me in a, a room, you know, a small room with a chalkboard and an old get you know a bit of chalk writing on the board and surrounding me with 30 of my pals isn't good for someone with ADHD so I, I, I struggled quite a bit in school and, and most of the times in school it was Ryan go there Ryan you have to sit there Ryan go and I never had any control you know day to day um, and I didn't realize it at the time but then when my mum introduced the concept of money to me and you know I used to have to make the bed I used to have to open the um, the curtains the take the dishes out the dishwasher and I get 50p a day. And I think that was the first time in my life that I had control over something. 
you know, because if I didn't have it in my environment, but I could have it with this thing, money. Um, and at first I used to get what, 250, £3 a week and I thought I was the king of the street and I used to run down to the, the local shop, the wee shop at the, at the bottom of the street with the kids and buy everyone sweeties. Um, and that's what you do, you're earning you and you spend. And my mum was saying, well, and again at the time, you know, 10, 11, you're young, even younger, PlayStation was the thing, so you want to buy PlayStation games and I'd say to my mum, I want a new game. She said, well, you need to earn it. And she said, you have to save this money that we get. So I'm like, right, well, it's going to take me three weeks or two weeks to you know, to get a £10 to buy a game. So what I used to do at the start is I used to go, right, I've got £10, I'm going down to the, the, you know, the computer shop and I'm going to buy a game. But it was always the 10, you know, the, the new games were 30 quid and I only had a tenner, so I had to buy them from the second-hand section. So I had loads of second-hand games and half the time I didn't play them. So then I realised, delayed gratification a wee bit. Instead of two weeks, wait a month, have, you know, 20, 30 pounds, I can buy a new game. So I think that's where this control element of, of money came from and earn and spend and then you know going forward, earn, keeping, grow it type thing came in. So I think it was it was definitely that school environment and the control thing that, that started the, the money for me. But then coming forward, probably you know, coming into the university um, age, I think you get caught up a wee bit in the society thing of get having money and you know spending money is, is bad it's you know you know your grandparents and parents sometimes say oh well you know money doesn't make you happy and I, and I get that money doesn't make you happy but it can help you know create choice create freedom and I think during the university you kind of get caught up in that um that kind of culture if you want to call it the and it's probably a British culture of having money's bad it's, it's, it seemed to be you know greedy and all the rest of it so I probably fell away from it at that point and we were just working and, and we were at uni anyway and then it probably came back into my life through one of our good friends through the property investing side of things so and then that's evolved into mm -hmm. now looking at wealth management as a whole and can you remember that moment that that came into play and that exact day that you had an aha light, light bulb moment and what did that now look like for you in terms of the next steps into the property side yeah, totally. I think, like I say, from where the, the money kind of mindset came from for me and, and, and getting it through my mum, um, I always had that concept of, I've, I've I had a, ve a very young age, the concept of I'm giving up my time to earn this money. So, f you know, firstly, it was opening the curtains and everything every day. And then it was very quickly moved into about 11 or 12. I got the paper round for the local, you know, three, three streets around my area. But that was a Tuesday, a Wednesday of getting the papers and putting all those crappy leaflets inside. So I would take all my Tuesday and Wednesday night and then Thursday and Friday I'd deliver them. So it was kind of four days I was doing something to do with this paper round. So when I got the money, a wee bit more money from that, I didn't want to just spend it on rubbish because it took so long to get it. So I always had, you know, again, I come back to maybe the control. I had a bank account and I could control the money that comes in and out of it and it sits there and I can kind of look at it in that sense, but it's there. So I think then when the property thing came around, it was that aha moment of, wait, so this money that I've got sitting here that I've worked hard for, I can put it into something else and it's not going anywhere, but that money is going to potentially grow and while it's growing, I'm getting rent. Mm -hmm. So I think it was that kind of, this money I've earned, it's going nowhere, it's growing and I'm getting something you know, now for it. So. Um, and like I say, it was one of our friends, we were, at, we were all there on a, a night out in Stirling, a reunion night out. And I think we were all half pissed and talking to, talking to our friend Craig about it. And I was like, hold on, so you, somebody else pays the mortgage and you get a bit of money from it. And then they, and he just went, that's the beauty of it, Quinny. That's how it works. And I was like, yeah. that was that kind of moment of, right, this money that I've got, instead of just spending it down the shops and on clothes, the, the, the concept of investing is what I need to use this for. Yeah. And that's where my time to get the money to then invest, it made sense to me. Um, yeah. And how's that evolved now in terms of the property side? What were some of the biggest lessons you've been able to take from that? And then how's that evolved now into the wealth management stuff? Because obviously you weren't doing the wealth management stuff when you started the property stuff. Yeah. You're working um, in schools and basically working alongside um, active schools. Yeah, yeah, sports uh, coordinating. So how did that evolve from the property stuff then into the wealth management stuff? Yeah, so I think like just going back on the kind of sports thing. So my, you know, most of my twenties at uni, what I studied and stuff was was sports coaching and, and sports coordinating. So that's what I've done during my twenties as I was doing this, you know, mid twenties, I think was when the property side started coming in. But again, even from, you know, early twenties to kind of late, 
um, as well as working full time, I set up you know a football business. So I was coaching kids um, every night, every weekend, uh, to the point where I only really had a depending on how it worked. If, it, if I had a birthday party on the Sunday to do for some of the kids, we had classes on the Saturday. Then every night, I would only sometimes get a Monday night off working. Um, and that went on for a couple of years and I got to the point where I going back to the time value of money, it was, I'm wasting all my time. Yeah, there's money's growing and, you know, going back to the, you know, childhood, that's what I wanted to have money and then to put it into things, but I was wasting so much time. So I think even that, and then when COVID came, the classes started dipping and I, I couldn't sell the business, which was a big reason maybe going into wealth management as well. Um, the, the classes just dwindled and stopped, but what it did is it freed up time to put into the property side of things. And yes, there's still a lot of time goes into property, but not as much as every single night and every single weekend that it was with this, with the kids. So um, yeah, I think when the property side started coming in, um, I think that's when my mindset changed to work, also working smarter, not harder a wee bit, that came into play, so yeah. And then, uh, I the property that was probably from mid twenties up until up until now, um, which has has let me move into the wealth management space. But I think what I found probably in the last couple of years is that property is only one asset. You know, you invest in assets, and assets grow, and they can also you know assets put money in your pocket, liabilities take money out your pocket type thing. You know, a car's a liability, assets are things like property. And I think realizing that property was only one asset of a number of different things that you can invest in, I think changed my mindset to knowing that I now had to be a bit more diversified with investing. Um, probably selfishly a little bit for me to start with, I wanted to know what else I should be investing in. Um, and that transpired into the financial advice and wealth management. But then finding, else, finding out what else there is to play, um, I really want to make sure that I can that everybody I speak to, all my clients and everyone else, has the same understanding and education to know what they can do with their money. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big thing. I think the other thing you haven't mentioned was that it wasn't just the adventure football. You also had the RQ Man business, yeah. uh, which is obviously selling wallets. And uh, I, yeah. I at the time got a call up. I obviously had the hands. The hands and my, fa my, fa my face wasn't in it. <laughs> no, it's just no, no. my hands. My hands were in it. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was the uh, the model that had the hand model the hand for RQ for RQ Man. But I still have the I still have the wallet to this day. Uh, but again, I think the great thing about that was like let's just fuck about and find out. Like it was like for you just trialing yeah. different things and actually just now having like these little kind of side passions that you were uh, doing and whilst obviously some worked incredibly well, some um, you learned so much from. Yeah. It was like everything was just a stepping stone to actually like where you are right now and it was just putting yourself in a position in a space where you were just trialing and erring and just learning about uh, marketing. You were learning about obviously like budgeting, you're learning about forecasting, you're learning about everything that actually had to go on uh, in different domains, whether that was now service-based business whoever that was now obviously a product-based business yeah. which i think has also now allowed you to kind of um, gain a greater degree of understanding because it's just that experience which is incredible so if we look at um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you now see when it comes to understanding like uh, money what are some of the kind of basic principles that you would now look at initially when and if you were to speak to somebody that's like, Ryan, I'm trying to understand obviously um, like money in more depth and more detail mm -hmm. and what's best to now do with this moving forward to be able to look after my future. What would be yeah. some of the key, key considerations that you would start with and you would now look at? I think one thing I always say to my clients and, and if I'm talking to anybody new for the first time, is we want to get over certain concepts to you when it comes to finances and money. And I think the biggest thing most people want, and we'll talk about the principles that are behind this, but is, is financial clarity. A lot of people just want to have a bit more clarity and a bit more understanding around what money is and what it can do for you. Again, like you kind of mentioned there, I think for me, I done most of my 20s was trial and error with things to see how it works and you know how much I need. And again, even for me, looking back, making mistakes with money, again, going through the property cycle and being so hyper-focused on that for a while, any money I had, I hated it in the bank account because... I can put it into a property, I can put it into another asset that's working for me. So I used to you know, have bare minimum in my bank accounts until a couple of years ago, I think it was January 2020 or 2021, I got a huge tax bill because unfortunately, again, another reason why I wanted to have a blended holistic approach with money is that property is heavily taxed, which I wasn't 
totally aware. So I got a massive tax bill. I managed to flood my bathroom by breaking my toilet. And I, uh, my car's filter and I smacked into my neighbour's wind mirror and I smashed the car up. So it all happened in the same month. And I had no money to pay for any of this. So I was like, what am I doing? Like I've got, I think at the time, six or seven properties. I've got all these properties and I can't even pay a tax bill and I can't even get my car fixed. What am I doing wrong here? To the point where I think my biggest financial lesson or you know, the, the darkest day in my finances was going to ask my retired dad if I could have some of the money that he stashed under his bed to pay my tax bill. So I think for me, I was like, something's got to change. And again, what you're coming, what, what you're kind of, uh, your question there about the concepts and the principles, I think the first thing a lot of people need to get with their money is having an emergency fund. Having a bit of money that's in a different bank account that just sits there for these rainy days. Um, and then you can, and it's what I would consider a kind of survival part of money, you know, survival of your finances, you know, you're just, that's there just to survive. And then once we've got these little concepts in place, principles, we can then thrive and we can invest and we can put money into different things and we can kind of, like you say, fuck about with things a little bit because we know we've got this security money there. Um, so I think first and foremost is just getting a little bit of clarity and understanding and having a little bit put to the side. Mm -hmm. Do you think when you speak to a lot of clients, obviously varying, I think it'd be interesting to know, like varying obviously age groups. Yeah. Now there's a lot of it's not actually the logical, it's more the emotional, it's more the psychology of money and their relationship with that based upon even what you've communicated and I can share as well, like the stories and the experiences that you've now obviously had with the upbringing and do you feel as though that's quite often a bit of a challenge because of the beliefs that they have surrounding that? Massive, I think again, what I would say a lot of people, like I sit and talk to people is I try and find out, we do what's called a kind of life plan because I want to find out A, where you're at just now in your life, you know, where you're living, your lifestyle, your career, your business, but also what your understanding of money is and what your upbringing of that was. Because like I said, I, f I figured out a bit of self-awareness of where it came from for me. So I think a lot of people have this earn and spend mindset. Well, that's the way I was growing up and that's the way my mum and dad would use money. As soon as they got it, they just spent it. So that's what you do and other people are obviously slightly different where they were they maybe have more of a a safety and security around and i probably had more of this a safety and security around hoarding money and keeping it there because if i've got it there then i'm secure or i'm safe or i'm financially okay um, and i think it's a let making sure people are aware of where their mindset is with the money to then move on to invest and why we invest and again a big thing about investing is how much risk you're willing to take so you need to make sure that you're figuring out clients risk profiles correctly and a lot of that comes from um, up, usually upbringing either mum or dad granddad or even around like you say schooling mm -hmm. um, you get those kind of initial concepts I would say of money so if you had a coach now that was, and let's, let's go down more like the self-employed uh, like route in terms of like, you now have like a fitness professional, which is that this podcast is for, mm -hmm. um, and they were like, right, okay, Ryan, I'm now basically uh, building and starting to like run my business. Uh, and now obviously I'm looking at, right, okay, what is it I now want to be able to start to do with this money? Like first and foremost, uh, you obviously spoke about the emergency fund. Then what would be the next steps that you would now like have and or put in place that would be just considerations that would obviously now need to be made um, because obviously but like everything everything's going to now be specific and tailored and this is now not going to be like this is the advice you need to apply this is simply um, this is just um, some principles based upon um, your expertise but emergency fund then what are, are the other components you would then obviously consider and explore when communicating with a coach who was looking to um, become more aware and more strategic with how they were kind of financially planning for their future yeah so again the point you kind of made there as well with, with financial advising and quite rightly it's, it's a heavily regulated industry and, and so it should be so I think before I give or can give financial advice to someone I need to know their situation you know so when someone says what should I do with this money it's you know it's that kind of cliched that cliched answer of it depends you know it depends I don't know about you so what I, I, I sometimes say to people is well this is more financial guidance I'm kind of these are options that you can do but I don't know what one's right for you until we sit down but in terms of a kind of financial plan and, and talking about it and as having like a, a robust financial plan it's first and foremost like you say is, is the emergency fund needs to be there mm. then a lot of the t again this is where people can differ but i'll add this in then it's looking at paying off any debts you have 
And when we say debts, we're not talking about mortgage, which or things like that, which is a big, probably the biggest debt you'll have, but it's paying off your asset, which is your house. We're talking about you know personal loans you took out to do the garden or to pay the. You want to make sure you're either paying them off, and you also want to make sure you're looking at what interest rate you're paying it back at. So I think that's a big one that I think some people miss. If you can get personal loans and debt onto interest-free payback, then that's better. Because again, for us to then go and invest or put these other principles in place, these thriving principles, that's going to create, and that's a big thing I, I say to a lot of clients as well, I'm not here um, to make you rich in a way, we're here to create long-term sustainable wealth. And I think the big part is sustainable. But to do that, we can't, not we can't, but we need to be having a plan in place for any debt you have that you're paying off car loans, you know, stuff for the house, things like that. So that's a, probably a wee side caveat, but after your emergency fund, what we're looking to do after that, and it's, and it's very important, is to protect what we currently have. And that's through your insurance. You know, we've got home insurance, we've got car insurance, but we need to have our own insurance. That's a big thing because something happens to you and you've, we've had a conversation and we're investing money here and we've got money over here and emergency funds and savings and all this. If something happens to you and you don't have any insurance in place, where do you take the money from to pay for the, the time you're off work or you're sick, whatever? It's probably coming from your investments or it's coming from your savings. Now, they're there for a reason. You know, we invest for a, a long term, a long time. Um, it's not a short term thing investing. We want to build it up and, and create wealth, create assets. So if we're just going to pull the money out of our invest in in three years time because we're sick, what was the point of investing in the first place? Because all those returns and the growth that we're looking for is it's not there anymore because we've just used the money we've took it out so I think protection ourself is big and the way I sometimes frame it to clients is that if you had a, a magic money machine sitting on the coffee table and every month it spat out £5,000 at the end of every month you just got £5,000 out of this machine would you insure it? and damn right you would insure it well that's you you're that magic money machine and you're the one that's making it so you've got to make sure that you're protected so I would say that that's Protection and emergency fund is that survival part, just keeping keeping protected what we currently have and what we've currently built. And then on top of that, we look at our investing. Mm -hmm. And that's when we look now that we've paid off debts and we've got emergency funds and we're, we're protected. The, the next bit of our money is when we look to invest. And that's when we're getting clients away from the earn and spend mindset to an earn, keep and grow mindset. Still spend and still live your life and... Um, again, a lot of things. Another kind of phrase I use with a lot of clients is, "You learn for the past," which I think we both have through business and, and doing things. You learn for the past, you live in the now, but you plan for the future. Mm -hmm. And I think it's 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 hitting that nail on the head that, um, and if we're doing these things, then we're, we're any life event that happens, there's a plan for it. Yeah, we've got money there, we've got money, we've got, we're all right. So I would say that. Yeah. I think the big thing that I'm hearing is, and again, it's like, it's the same with, if I resonate, uh, I relate this, sorry, to the coaching world. It's like getting in shape and staying in shape require two completely different systems. Getting money, keeping money requires two completely different systems. Getting in a relationship, staying in a relationship requires two completely different systems. So therefore, the strategies and principles that you now use to obviously make money are going to be different to the strategies and principles that you now need then obviously to be able to then keep money. Um, and it's just about now having that kind of mentality and then also the frameworks of principles in place. And I think the education and the awareness, because I know for me, it's like I, I remember the first time that I really had to sit down with the accountant, obviously 10 years ago or so. Um, and it's like they're using language and words that I had no clue about. I had no financial education or awareness whatsoever. Um, I was fortunate enough that my um, stepdad is a financial advisor as well. So he was able to obviously uh, support and help me and give me obviously that degree of like understanding initially. Yeah. But I think the big challenge that we see is that actually it's, it's the same. It comes back down to the education. It's like actually not having the awareness and or the understanding or who to trust or where to go or what to do. Um, and therefore as a byproduct, we then don't necessarily then put these things in place or Again, like if I look at myself, I'm like, well, I'm 25 years old, so I don't have to worry about this right now and I can worry about this later down the line. But actually, it's not about like um, how much, it's about when yeah. you, you kind of start to put these things in place and it's that longer term game that you then start to consider and it's more the discipline and the relationship you build with that which I think was something you said to me a couple of weeks ago, was like, it's more about the discipline, the relationship that you have with actually doing the, the behavior 
of doing the thing rather than necessarily like getting to the thing. Yeah, I think I think the big thing as well, like you say, going back to kind of financial concepts and what I mentioned there was the financial clarity side of things, which is great. And I think the big one that most people hear and I get the term, but it can be very ambiguous and it means different things to different people is financial freedom. And we, we want to take it back a couple of steps even from that. And I think once we get financial clarity and understanding about education and why we do things, you know, we're all very, I would say, good at because we're told to do it on making money, you know, we all know how to make it, you get a job, you start a business, you know, invest, whatever it is, to make it, but it's then keeping it and growing it. And I think another big concept that I always try and get over to clients as well is financial stability and security. And the way, again, I, I kind of articulate that point is, it's like a table, it has four legs to keep it secure and stable. A car has four wheels, so it can drive it stable. We want to be similar in terms of having four whether we want to call it income streams or four ways where there's money there. You know, so we've got one table leg would be your job or your business. So you've got an income coming in there. You've got another table leg that is your protection. So the insurance, because if something happens to you, there's money coming in there. Another table leg would be your investing. So I'm now putting money into things that's going to make its own money. So I'm over here in this table leg working and in my business and doing my job, but this table leg's making its own money for me. The way I sometimes describe it to business owners, it's like having an extra employee. But that employee over there that's making its own money, you don't have to chase out of bed in the morning, it's not going to turn up late, and it's not, do you know what I mean? You're not going to have to discipline and reprimand them, they're not going to speak bad to customers. It's just doing its own thing over there, and it's, and it's working for you. And then another table leg would be, and I think this is a big thing that we don't, not that we don't talk about it enough, but when you talk about investing, this is the, the boring side of things that boring old farts do, and that's the retirement, that's the pension. And a lot of people I speak to, you know, very successful business owners are like, oh, I don't need one of them. But then when we actually go into the detail of this fourth table leg, they go, shit, I didn't realise how lucrative and how good this will be for me, me my family, and my financial plan. Mm -hmm. So I think having that stability I think is probably more than financial freedom and whatever that actually means. I think most people are just looking for financial stability. Mm -hmm. I heard a little thing a while ago that I've always had in my mind, which I think has been so incredibly powerful for me, which was, and it didn't take this from me, this came from somebody else, was like, how much money do I need to live life? How much money do I need to love life? And how much money do I need for later life? And that gave me a great understanding of, okay, how much money do I now need to live just day to day? How much money do I need to love my life, do the things I want to do, go on the holidays and uh, go out for the dinners and everything that I now enjoy based upon my values? And then how much money do I now need for kind of like later life? And that's been a concept that I've now kind of um, been able to take. It's really simple and easy for me to understand. I've been able to then reflect upon um, like my like spending behavior and then understand, right, okay, this is now exactly what these now look like. Um, and then obviously can um, strategically plan as necessary. But if you were to look at it from like a budgeting perspective for um, fitness professionals, coaches, anybody in the self-employed kind of world, yeah. what would be some basic um, considerations that they would now make or any things that you could give them in terms of uh, tactics or strategies that may be quite good for them to be able to understand how to budget more, more effectively? And I'm also aware that it's going to be individual dependent. Yeah. Again, very much so individual dependent, but I think just in a basic kind of concepts when it when it comes to the budget and or even just financial planning in general and something we've maybe not touched on yet, it's a big part of the meetings and, and how you know I talk to my clients is why they're doing it. And again, I know it's a very cliched thing, what's your why? But it, it's really important when it comes to financial planning because if you don't know why you're doing things, if it's for a specific life event, if it's for to go on a couple more holidays a year, if it's you know, you're investing for 10, 12, 15 years because you want the kids when they're 18 or 21 to have a deposit for a first house or a, buy their first car. You need to, there really does need to be a kind of why we're doing it. Because then when it comes to budgeting or it comes to, you know, you're about to, it's a Thursday night and you're tired and you're about to go on the Just Eat app and buy another takeout, you go, no, because that money's, there's a reason I'm keeping this money over here and I'm investing it. So I think in terms of that, there always needs to be the why. And sometimes, again, I'm speaking to people, you know, young professionals that maybe just starting out their career, starting off a business, and I say, well, what's your why? Why are you doing this? And they don't have life event type whys yet. But sometimes the way I get it across to them is that you're just looking to invest and grow money and make sure we're stable and secure because you want to live above the standard of living line. So the standard of living line in this country, the way I sometimes describe it, is that if you go 
out to the pub and you buy a pint of beer, it's going to cost you a fiver. Now, the same value you have in that pint of beer that costs five pounds, we we have money and structures in place where that same five pounds to use 50 pounds. So you can spend 50 pounds how most people spend five. So we're living above a standard of living line. However, to get to that point, and you touched on it about discipline, when you get to a point where you've got investments and you've got your you know, retirement planning, everything's in place, and we're, we're earning money through business and investing that's getting us to the point where actually 50 pounds to us is five pounds to most people, you don't spend 50 pounds like it's a fiver because you're now disciplined. To get to that level and to go through the, the trials and tribulations to get you your financial plan and your, your finances to that level, you don't actually spend it like that. Mm -hmm. But some people's goal is just to live at that level. Just, if I need to spend money, I've, I've got extra money there, like you say, it's kind of, some people call it, you know, fuck off money. You know, I've got money there that if somebody wants me to come and do something, I can tell them to fuck off if I want. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to do it, mm -hmm. you know, but living at that, just above the line of society, usually gives people what you would then maybe describe more of financial freedom, mm -hmm. you know? And if you were to look at some like uh, great books or people to now learn from uh, that would actually now allow them the opportunity to be able to start to explore this in more depth and more detail, what are some of the resources or things that you've read, listened to that you think could be incredibly powerful? Yeah, some, some great books out there, I think, again, that either changed my mindset slightly when it comes to money, finances, investing, or also, or also, or confirmed what my mindset was. I got, right, okay, I had seen it in this book and that's kind of what I'm thinking, so great, I'm gonna push forward to that. So there's a couple of books, a great one that I read, it was a while ago now, but I'm sure you actually put me onto it, was The, the Psychology of Money, yeah, which is a fantastic book because it's very, it's broken down into simple language and it's really easy to understand. Other books to do with finances that are more story-like, but again, great starting off is, uh, the, what's the one, The, the Babylon? The Richest Man in yeah, Babylon. Yeah. And again, another great book when it comes to that. For me, a big a big one when we're talking about where your mindset and money comes from and the value, you know, your highest values and aligning money to your highest values. So you know instead of doing the just eat, you're putting it the values factor by uh, John D. Martini. Talks about your highest values and living life to your your highest values. That was a great book. And what other ones were good? A, a little bit left field here but for me I loved because um, again it talked about the history of the world and humans and again where we came from was uh, Sapiens. Mm -hmm. Sapiens was a good book. Again when it comes to money as well why we do certain things with money because it keeps us safe and secure or it keeps us here and you get a lot of those concepts from, from that book as well so I think it's great to read just money books but I think you need to have a bit of a a blended approach yeah i think uh, i think everybody should read actually aaron i gave you the psychology i was looking for it then but i gave you the psychology of money because i think it's great the one thing that i took from that was um the story about the janitor uh who was actually a multi-millionaire but yeah. was like just because of the way in which he now kind of like saved um the second one was the multi-millionaire that basically wanted to become even more uh, like wealthy and therefore made decisions that were so risky that actually ended up in him now losing absolutely everything because even though he had more money than he could ever need it was like it wasn't enough because he was chasing that next thing yeah uh based upon obviously like ego beliefs um, and then the other thing that i love was like like numbers on a screen aren't just numbers on a screen when you then put a human like <laughs> emotion yep. into that because then numbers on a screen become completely different based upon obviously your beliefs your assumptions like what it is that you uh, now um, have in terms of that relationship with obviously those numbers which massively impacts the way in which you obviously behave and then obviously spend and then other one for me that you put me onto was actually um youtube ray dalio how the economy works yeah, um I think that's incredible. And again, this comes back down to one thing, and you said this at the start, which is like the education side of things. Yeah. Um, and I think so often, again, I'll speak for myself, is like you just brush it under the carpet because you don't understand it and or like you don't feel as though you have necessarily like the, the not even the, even me, I would say for me, it's like, I just love coaching. Let me just spend all my time coaching. It's like, actually, the more you can start to like have these conversations and the more you can now start to gain a level of awareness and start to put these basic principles in place um, and you can start to challenge the potential beliefs that you now obviously have from kind of like upbringing, et cetera, then I think the more powerful um, you're going to be in terms of then obviously your behaviors and the decisions you then make and then also how that then aligns to 
the business decisions you then make in terms of what you're now going to do, what you're not going to do, because as you build, develop and grow um, as a fitness professional, especially, you're then starting to understand, well, right now, okay, this is my top line revenue, but I've now got to consider tax. I've now got to consider that. I've now got to consider, right, okay, I need to forecast. I've got to now think about the other um expenses that I now have on a day-to-day, -day, on a weekly basis, right, okay, have I now got enough to be able to invest in this person or this thing or this program or this course or what does that now look like for me and how can I now start to budget and be more strategic so that you feel more in control and more aware and you're more, you can be more proactive rather than reactive because you've got a greater degree of understanding, which yeah. I think is so powerful in comparison to being like, I don't know what's going in, what's coming yeah. out. I don't know what I'm spending, what I'm not spending, what money's mine, what money isn't mine, etc. Um, and I think it's just that making it a priority and making it something that is so integral and so important if you now want to be able to not just kind of like be a great coach, but then actually run a business. Mm. It's about that's such a huge component of that because that's going to be such an influential driver behind then your decisions and choices you then make and take, both in terms of a business perspective, but then also in a Purse on a personal level as well. I also think, like you said about the psychology of money, and one of the other things I took out of that book is, is the chapter when it describes where people's mindset comes from. And I had a, a good meeting with a client yesterday, uh, Friday there, um, and I think a big thing is the the information you've been getting fed from parents and grandparents. And a lot of I think the way they described it in that book at the time is that a lot of our parents just now grew up in the seventies and eighties when you know interest rates were so high, mortgages were way more expensive than they are just now, and you had to be really careful with your money. And I think a lot of people get that from parents. Whereas when we've grown up, probably you know our age type thing just after or around the financial crisis was when we were probably getting into jobs and businesses and stuff like that, money was extremely cheap. Mm -hmm. You know, it was easy to get money, it was easy to get mortgages, it was easy to do these things. So we've grown up with a mindset probably in our generation more that it's you just spend it willy-nilly you know and that doesn't matter if you take out a loan because it's you know zero percent interest or one percent it's, it's easy whereas now we're starting to realize actually wait mortgages are going up and it's nowhere near where our parents were in the 70s and 80s but it's we're having to change the way we our behaviors around money i think now people in our generation and i think that's a big thing to get over as well um it's just where it came from and why we've got that that mindset and again going back to budgeting I think because I don't think I really answered that question but in terms of budget and in terms of a kind of blank approach I always tell clients to use a, a, what I call a kind of percentage pot strategy where you've, you've however much you're bringing in there should be a percentage of each of this pot going to certain things I think you mentioned about yeah that. profit profit first is this is this is quite a good book. I would just take it take it with a pinch of salt, but because obviously there's elements components in there that may not apply right now. But really good book in terms of like percentages from a business perspective, yeah. understanding how and what and where you need to kind of like segment definitely. And I think a big thing that you were saying before though is how do I budget? Right. Well, use your income as a percentage, but then it's again going back to that clarity and understanding of percentage of what. Like what do I need to put back? And right, okay, I need to put tax to the side if I'm running a business. Okay, I get that. I need to put, you know, money to live aside. I need to, but what else? Like, what else am I putting aside? You know, we don't know about investing or retirement or all these different things. And again, some people will go, well, fuck retirement. Like, mm -hmm. why am I doing, why am I putting 20% of my income to a retirement pot now in my 20s when I can take that 20% and spend it and live a bit more? But then again, it's going back to then having these conversations around well, what happens when you retire. And it's about making people understand the position they're in you know for instance like, a lot of the guys in, in, in your industry and, and to be fair a lot of industries it's it's that conversation of what happens when we get to 55 60 do you sell your business do you keep your business do you mm -hmm. give it to the next generation how does it work so what will retirement look like and they go, oh i never thought of that well let's have the conversation now to at least start the planning process and also then to make you aware of why you're putting 20 percent aside for these the later life things. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when you get that clarity and understanding of your situation, you know, some of these books are great for that, kind of where your mindset money's around, it makes budgeting easier mm -hmm. and better and more powerful and you know why you're doing it now. Yeah. So I think that's a big thing. The amount of conversations that I've had with so many of our coaches who have now obviously had a conversation with you and or just taken ownership in terms of actually being able to look at where they are right now. I think sometimes it's that avoidance 
because you don't want to look at where you are right now because you almost don't want to face the facts. Uh, but actually, so often they look at things that it's nine times out of 10 not as bad as they think it was. And or they actually then feel significantly better because they now take control and they're now in a position where they are in the driving seat because they've now got the awareness of the position they're currently in, which then gives them more stability and more security and more safety. Why is it you feel or believe based upon your opinion that this has almost been quite a subject that I think it's being brought around to the awareness, uh, it's been brought to the surface so much more and it's been brought to a kind of a greater degree of awareness, but why do you think it's been such a taboo subject and or like people don't necessarily really talk about it as much and or the importance of that maybe as much as they should yeah i think i think it's potentially a british thing i think it's a british culture thing you don't talk about money and you keep your money to yours you know to you and you don't ask about other people's money and money's bad and you know i think it's i think generationally it's been more of a british thing because i think anytime we've been over at the states and america and that they don't they're not as I'm just using America as an example, as closed off about finances and money a bit more. Um, so I think it's potentially a bit of a British thing. Um, but also I think that you see it, a lot of our mindset around money comes from what we hear. So it comes from parents, it comes from you know grandparents and these types of things. So I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that needs, at least from my point of view, needs to be talked about because the more you're open, I don't want to go into specifics with people in the pub type thing, but the more you're aware of your finances, and again, a lot of the way I describe it with some clients when they come out of meetings is they've just, it's like I've took my head out of the sand now. Mm -hmm. And I understand, like you say, I've been avoiding it for so long, not looking at it and just spending out of emotions instead of any sort of strategy. Now that we've had this conversation, I can bring my head up out of the sand and I understand there's a clear plan now. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people get out of it. And again, I think it's just opening up those conversations around your money. Mm -hmm. And there's, no, there's nothing wrong with it, you know. Um, unfortunately, well, we all, we all know how to make it, but, you know, unfortunately, none of us are taking it to the grave. Yep. So I think yep. we need to have that a wee bit of, aye, understanding around what's going on and, and not having too much of a tight grip on what's going on with our money type thing. I think it's just playing a longer term game. Like long term games with longer term people, whether that's now with your body shape, health and performance, whether that's now in a relationship or relationships, whether that's now with like your financial management, mm -hmm. everything is just about just trying to understand what are the behaviors I now want to embody that I now know that my future self will thank my current self for, because ultimately your current situation is a reflection on your previous behaviors, not your current behaviors. So right now it's an understanding uh, how do I want my future to look and then what do my current behaviors need to look like in order for me to now be able to work towards said target and said goal. Um, and I think that's the really, really powerful thing is if if you can raise awareness around, right, okay, well, what do I now, uh, what's the position, what do I really want? Where do I want to be? Why is that now important to me? Right, okay, that now looks like A, B, and C. Well, then as a byproduct, you can then start to understand, well, what are the behaviors and what are the strategies and then what are the tactics that I can then start to put in place, uh, most importantly. And again, like, um, I think one big belief that I had was like, oh, I needed to have X amount of money or I needed to wait until I got to X level or I needed to get to this point in order for me to now be to start doing this. But you can start at the, like, let's say I'll use Joe as an example, just as he was starting this coaching thing, um, I could have started then, but I didn't because I had the belief that I wasn't in a position to do so. But upon reflection, and I'll let you take the lead on this, like how different could that now be and or how important is it actually maybe for people from the get-go to have? I think, I think the big thing as well, when I talk to people is that they think like you say it definitely is that kind of taboo of that they need to have X amount before they can invest or they have to need to have X amount before they can talk to a financial professional or advisor and it's really not it's investing of anything is is little and often type thing or could be you know I mean put in whatever you can now if you've got 20-30% of your budget that's towards that and that's 60, 100 pound a month, then get it in. Because again, a big thing about the investing side of things is it's a compound effect. You know, it compounds and grows year on year, month on month. So I think, well, a lot of these types of things, it's just start. Mm -hmm. You know, don't get me wrong, don't just go in blind and not know what you're doing and put it in this, something that's crazy high risk or whatever, but talk to somebody that kind of knows what they're talking about and just start. Mm -hmm. I know it can be a very simple direct debit setup, you know, into your investments and, and pensions or whatever else. Um, again, talking 
looking more at the property side of things, it's not as, and I think that's, that was a big thing why I changed from, not changed from property to wealth management, but I went into wealth management as a, a full-time career, is that I found that obviously with, with property and that as an asset class, you do need a bit of funds behind you to invest. You know, you can't invest with £100 a month. It's not, not if you're doing it in terms of buying the property yourself. Whereas I knew that there were so many people out there that just needed a wee bit more understanding, clarity around their finances and would want to invest the £100 a month into something that's growing, but they have nobody to talk to about that. Mm-hmm. So I think it was moving away from just speaking to people that are either in the property space or would like to get into it kind of talking to the wider public they should just be putting some money away in general yeah making it, making it more accessible and not just in one one singular domain Aaron yeah. what questions do you have do you have any questions mate the QM the real QM we call Troy the QM but Aaron the man behind the camera is actually the real QM um, to be honest that was that was I had a list of questions before we started uh, on my head anyways and you've gone through quite a lot which has been class but one would be just exactly what you're talking about at that point there in terms of can you go into that a little bit more in terms of what kind of things could you be looking at because um, I often think that could be like a barrier people coming out of school and things like that and they're like okay I can invest in property and that's like a, a good kind of route to go down but then those kind of more accessible short budgets monthly what kind of what kind of things could you look at in, in that domain so yeah I think I think in general first and foremost get, getting over that what is investing and how do we do it? So straight away you invest in assets. So and there's different types of assets. You know, you've got lower risk and higher risk assets. You know, lower risk is, you know, cash, you know, it's easily accessible. We can all get the hole in the wall and pull our cash out. It's, it's pretty safe, but it's not going to make us much money. So we're not going to get a return on our cash. The next asset I would say in terms of a risk scale that, that's just up from cash is what we call bonds. So bonds are loans to the government or loans to big companies but you can invest in bonds. The way it works is you'll loan, let's just say the government X amount of money, in return they give you a bond. They'll then use your money to fix the roads, unemployment schemes, all the things that the government would use it for. And the, the deal is they'll give you your money back in five years time and they'll give you 2% for, for borrowing your money. So it's still pretty low risk, low reward. It's low risk because it's very unlikely the government's gonna go bust. So they're a pretty safe institution. We then move up the risk scale with different assets, stocks and shares, which a lot of people know about. You know, As an asset class, we call them equities. So you can invest in equities, stocks and shares, at a little bit of a company. More higher risk because you know, companies can go bust, you know, financial news can come out, they can destroy reputation, stocks go down. But they can also do the opposite and go up quite heavily and highly. There's alternative, alternative investments, so commodities like gold, silver, whiskey, all these types of things you can invest in. Um, but we invest in these a- assets. Now, a lot of people will, will then go, oh yeah, I want to do the ISA thing. And I think uh, uh, getting over there, again, a bit of education, understanding around what an ISA, what a pension is. All they are is what we call tax wrappers. Because the big thing about investing and making money is, you know, potentially depending on how much you're making or investing, you're paying a lot in tax. You know, in our country, we're heavily taxed 40, you know, nearly 50% in Scotland if you're in the higher rate tax bracket. So what these wrappers do, ISAs and pensions, is we wrap around the assets that we've invested in, depending on our risk, and it shields us from tax. So like how you would go out into the um, outside and pouring down the rain, you'd put a jacket on to shield you for the rain, all an ISA and a pension, is, is shielding your assets from tax. Now, the, when, we, when we think about that, that's the things that we would, act, we would invest in. The rules of the ISA game is you invest tax-free growth, so it grows tax-free, whatever your pot's at at the end of when you want it, it's yours to take and there's no more tax to pay. So it's very tax efficient. The rule with that is you can take it whenever you want. You know, so if, you want, if you're investing for five, 10 years and at the end of the 10 years you want a bit of that money because it's growing, you can do it. Pension slightly different. There's a lot more tax relief and what we call getting getting your tax back, which is a, a really good way. Or if you're doing it through a limited company, you just don't pay tax. It's an expense if you put money into your pension. So it's very tax efficient. But the rule to that game is you can't touch it till you're older. You've got to be in your 50s, close to 60s before you can get it. 
So you're still investing in the assets, but we just wrap these little things around them. When it comes to property, as another asset class that sits by itself, there's no tax wrapper around it. You can't put it in a tax wrapper. So, unfortunately with property, it's heavily taxed. You're taxed on the way in, you're taxed during it, because it goes on to your, your income, and then you're taxed on the way out. You're actually taxed on the way out heavier than any other asset that you would sell to make a profit. So I think when it comes to the investing side of things, it's having a blended approach, but if you don't have the big chunky deposit and money for the property, plus all the extra tax that you need to buy it, we would look at the eyes up and we would look at the pension as well. And again, going back to that diversified blended approach, you can use these structures throughout your life depending on how you want to access your money. You know? So I think I think just and again with with let's just say your eyes are, you know, you can put hundred pounds in a month, put fifty pounds in a month. you you can you know, put it a direct debit type thing, £150, and then in another month if you need a little extra money for something else, you can pull it down to 100 So it's not, I think some people think when they start investing as well, they're stuck to that amount that they're, they're investing in or how much they're committing to it a month. You know, it can be flexible. Um, but a big thing around the investment is you don't want to just be pulling out willy-nilly because the whole point of investing is you're wanting to grow your money. You know, so I think that's a, yeah, a big thing. The other big thing that I would just say is like as, a, as an asset class is just you as a person, as a human, as an individual. So if you think about it through that domain as well, it's like fundamentally uh, the most important person that's now going to be the driving force, which is like say the magic money making machine that you said sat on the, uh, on the, on the coffee table is actually just you, your skill. Mm-hmm. you know and actually now understanding like you as an individual it's like the better you are the more skills that you have the uh, more that you now have in terms of um, capability to now be to solve problems and or to support and or to um, like provide to certain problems and or the world like the better you're now going to get kind of rewarded as a byproduct of that so it's also now looking at it is like you've obviously got these kind of other things externally but then also then look at you internally because ultimately like you are then the machine as well which is also another powerful thing i think sometimes people think it's that external but then also consider that it's like you are the greatest um, asset that you now own fundamentally um, and the better you are whether that's now going to be health wealth relationships skills that you now have fundamentally the more opportunity you then can create because of the greater degree of problem you have the, the power and the, the ability to solve or whatever it might potentially be so i think it's also looking at it through that kind of lens as well which is yeah. so powerful i think as well when it comes to investing which some people these days don't when you're talking about you being the asset and, and, and the emotions that come across when we, we're investing or we're putting to, together a financial plan is actually to to um, adopt a, a certain level of patience I think these days everything's so fast and quick and you want things now and it's actually with and like I'll go back to what I said at the start what we're trying to create here is long term sustainable wealth so we use a blended approach different structures and tax wrappers and, and, and invest in but then we also need to have that little bit of patience to sit and let it do its thing over the years mm-hmm. um, and I think like you say sometimes these days we're so quick to try and make fast cash or make money or do, that we actually don't just sit and let it do its thing and again probably one of the biggest investors most successful Warren Buffett is kind of what he's done he's just put his money into certain assets and certain companies and he's just sat and waited yeah absolutely um, and that compound effect grows yeah I think again it goes it's behavior delay gratification discipline and then other than financial education like just education and awareness more so than anything else are like absolutely key and again it's the behavior um, element and component which is essential so if you could now leave individuals from this podcast with um, a couple of like golden nuggets and or action steps that you would believe that they would benefit from taking first and foremost what would be the kind of one two threes that you'd maybe give them in terms of the first steps that they could take to raise awareness around this stuff moving forward for them to be able to take more control and gain more education and awareness I think the big, the, 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 and we've not touched on it yet, but one of the big things you can do kind of now, just to get more first, because again, first and foremost, if you're wanting to put a financial plan in place or you're wanting to get better with your finances, there's there's a reason behind it. There's a reason you've reached out to me or we're having a meeting or whatever else. But I think one of the big things you can do just to get a little bit more clarity around your situation is review your bank accounts, You know, review your statements, see what your spending behaviours are, see what your financial habits are. 
you know and I think one of the big things I did back in the day was every month or two I would just print off a couple of my bank statements and just mm -hmm. highlight in green and red all the things I was spending on and I very quickly seen how much rubbish I was spending on certain things and even little things like how much these days I suppose how much you spend on coffee every day you know and how much that's grown up now then if you've had a conversation with someone like myself and you've got the values and the reasons why we're wanting to invest and put a plan in place that hundred pound that goes to coffee every month you go bloody hell that's what a waste that is when i can take 50 pounds of that you know maybe spend you know half your coffee and take a month and the other 50 pounds goes into investing and because you then have an understanding around what it is you see it growing mm -hmm. you can see it growing just from a slight behavior change a slight habit change on what you're doing but i think to start that process of whatever you want to do financial wise to review what your finances are doing and what you are doing with them, I think is probably step number one. Mm -hmm. And then what would be step number two in your mind? Well, once you've reviewed your finances, you've got a bit more clarity and understanding of your spending behaviours and patterns. It's then about looking at, first and foremost, the security aspect. So how do I make sure that my, me, myself, my finances, my family, my, you know, the people that are in my circle are secure? Yes, where your emergency fund comes in place. That's where these little structures to put to the side. Again, when we're looking at things like emergency funds, a lot of people don't change their bank accounts necessarily. You keep the same bank account you've had for years. But actually, going on some of these websites, I think you know the the money was it Martin Lewis guys pretty good just to see, especially these days with interest rates going up, what bank accounts you're going to get slightly more money back from in interest. So have it high interest bank accounts where you've put this little money to the side. You're not making loads, but you're making a bit. We're not investing this money. We're not doing anything with it. That's your your security money, your safety money. So at least put it in a structure that's going to get something back from it. Then it's probably looking at your income, your expenses, your, your like I say, spending habits and patterns and seeing what money we can allocate budget-wise percentage pots into different things. Mm -hmm. And I think, I can't remember what the phrase you used there about before, during or later life. Yeah, so live life, love life, later life. Yeah, like that's a great way to look at it in terms of what you're, what you're budgeting and what you're putting into certain things. Yeah. And again, I think as well, the next thing you would do is either get a, a understanding of what investing is and why you would do it or come and speak to someone that can kind of educate you on what it is. Once you get that clear understanding, you know why you're doing these certain things. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, yeah, just reviewing your finances, putting money away that's safe and then once you've got the survival part you start doing the thriving part yeah. um, and make sure that every life event you know every 10 year whatever there's a plan in place for these stages of life yeah i think it would be good and if you if you do that you're in terms of financial planning you've got a pretty robust financial plan superb and if anybody wants to have a uh, chat with you or explore uh, and find out a little bit more about where Quinny is what he's up to and how he can potentially help. Where's best to go? It's probably social media. So Instagram, um, Ryan Quinn Wealth Management, LinkedIn, put some stuff up on, on LinkedIn as well. Um, yeah, so that's probably the, the best way to find me. Again, in terms of the way it works with financial advice and, and, and what I do is any chats, and I think that's a big bat, I think thing we've maybe not explored a wee bit, but a barrier to financial advice is a lot of people think it costs a lot of money to, to speak to someone. Um, chats we have, meetings I have with, with clients are free. It's not, I don't take any money um, when I do a meeting with someone. So to just reach out and get a bit more clarity, understanding of your finances, it's not going to cost anything. Mm. I think that's a big thing to get over is making sure there's not these barriers in place and people don't have this stigma of, it's going to cost me a lot of money to do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, reach out, social media, that's the best way and then yeah, kind of take it for there. Superb. Mate, thank you so much. I know this is such an important topic that I wanted just to be able to bring to the forefront and bring just to awareness because again, I think when you get into the coaching world, you're, you're a great coach and you love coaching, you love macros and you love training, and you love like helping people do X, Y, and Z and um, like supporting them in that domain. But when it actually then comes to even building a business, you're then thinking about, right, okay, what are the systems? What are the strategies? What do I need to do for my marketing and messaging? What do I now need to do in terms of uh, like my product or my offer? But then actually, when you look behind that, it's about actually understanding, well, 
at what is the machine and that's obviously going to be the financials and having that education and having that awareness and just being able to just start by having this conversation and bring it to the forefront so even off the back of this if you've listened you've got to this point and you're thinking i want to take a step like even by simply just getting to this point and raising awareness that will probably allow you the opportunity to be able to understand well, what are the steps i can now start to put in place because ultimately that is uh, going to be the very vehicle and the very thing that's going to allow you the opportunity to have more impact it's going to allow you to opportunity to be able to support you and your future and what you now really want it's going to allow you to make better quality decisions around actually your vision and what you now see and um, how you can now start to strategically um, invest whether that's now in you whether that's now in the business or whether that's now in your future um, and then also i think as well like being able to just now um, take a more of a strategic view in terms of this is now where I am. I've got a plan, I've got a strategy, I've got a level of education and awareness and degree of clarity. Yeah. Um, and actually in doing so, that will give you so much more confidence and certainty. And also this understanding of can I now challenge the potential beliefs that I have surrounding money that I've grown up with, that I've been exposed to, that now may allow me the opportunity to think and see differently. So dude, um, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And uh, mate, I'm looking forward to another episode too. Perfect. Thanks very much.